Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Today marks the 35th anniversary of the classic live-action animated hybrid Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which premiered on June 22, 1988. I spoke to actress Kathleen Turner about the iconic film when she visited Washington, D.C. for the annual Arena Stage Gala in 2019. We are here with... Kathleen Turner. You recognize that voice anywhere. Uh, she'll be coming to the Arena Stage Gala, the annual event. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, always. <laughs> Let's talk about the reason we're here for the actual the gala. So what what exactly do we have planned? Is it a, here it's like a little bit of a cabaret you've been working on? Ah, yes. I'm in the entertainment at the gala, which is, of course, to celebrate and raise money for the Arena Stage creative productions and community engagement that they they do without this in with throughout this area. Um, yeah, I, I last year about this time, I put together a cabaret. Uh, it was a full evening of theater. I took it to the the West End in London, and then brought it back to New York to the Cafe Carlisle, and then Molly Smith, the artistic director here, who I absolutely adore. It was awesome. Yes, <laughs> all together that. awesome. Yeah. Asked me if I could do a version for the gala, and I said, yes, I'm sure I can. Now, what all, what snippets are as part of the cabaret? What songs are we sing? Well, uh, they have to do, I think of myself mostly as a storyteller. And so the songs help to illustrate or kind of are close-ups uh, of, the song, of the stories, yeah? So I talk about living, growing up in South America, and I sing a song in Spanish and then in English, and I talk about the career and then and being on the road and the exhilaration and then the weariness of it. And I sing, every place I hang my hat is home, and that goes into sweet Kentucky ham. Mm. And then I and then the music of Michel Legrand, I cannot resist. Oh, who just passed away, right? Yes, he yeah. just, we just lost him. Uh, so I sing, You Must Believe in Spring. And the songs like that, ones that I love, really. That's awesome. Well, it'll be worth seeing uh, Michel Legrand stuff <laughs> alone. Um, God, yeah, I mean, yeah, Umbrellas of Cherbourg is one of my favorites. You know, he had a, he had a um, tour planned for this year. He said, Oh, well. That's such a shame. Well, I can hear, you know, your version of it. Well, okay. I want to pack, unpack a couple. You, you mentioned it was a long road, and you mentioned that, you know, growing up in South America, a lot of our listeners might not even know that. Tell us, about, what, oh, yeah. what's the deal with that? Where'd you grow up? Well, one of the, the elements I have in common with uh, being here in Washington, D.C., is my father was a foreign service officer, a diplomat with the State Department. So, in fact, um, living here in D.C. for two years, I think it was my... First and second grade, 
when I was six and seven were the only times I lived in the States until university. Yeah. And uh, so we were here in D.C. And when I was eight, we were posted to Venezuela, to Caracas. And after that, London, and after that, a theatrical career, of course. <laughs> How could you not? Yeah. When, when you were, those two years you were in D.C., where were you? Ah, uh, let's see, we were uh, over in the Silver Springs, sound right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, on the other side of Chevy Chase, yeah? Gotcha, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you got it. And then you eventually, I mean, you mentioned you bounced all around, and then you yeah. came back around. Didn't you have, a, you have a local connection at UMBC as well? Didn't you yeah. study theater there for a little bit? I took my last year of college at UMBC under Herbert Blau. He saw me on stage in St. Louis doing, a, uh, doing the House of Blue Leaves, and asked me if I would come work with his company. He was taking over the department at UMBC. I said, of course. Packed my car and drove to Baltimore. That's so great. Um, and then, speaking of packing your car, after UMBC, what was that first play that took you up to Broadway? Oh, Gemini. Danny Aiello. I was, yeah, yeah, Danny Aiello. Uh, yes, uh, uh, that was my first. I was doing... Well, you know, it was a little bit of the of the usual route, except for it was compressed so much yeah. that my, after six months I was doing off-off-Broadway at Soho Rep. And then after nine months, I guess I got um, a soap opera, The Doctors. Mm -hmm. And then at 11 months, I got Gemini on Broadway. So I was showing up at NBC at 7 o'clock in the morning to shoot the <laughs> soap opera and then going over to the theater at 7 to shoot to do the play. But it was, Lots of running it, around back then. Oh, but you know, you're 22, you can do it, you know. <laughs> and then how does Body Heat come, come around? Because I know uh, Kazdan, he, he, he had written Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back for Lucas and Spielberg, but this was his directorial debut, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. How, how did that role come about? Did you fly out to L.A. audition? <laughs> or did he well, come to Well, I couldn't know. He, well, he did come to New York, and, and the casting, the gentleman casting the um, film in New York I uh, thought it was a waste of time to allow me to audition for him because I had no film experience, no film credit. <laughs> so then I went out to L.A. to uh, audition for another film, and a woman, Wally Nasita, was casting the film out there. And she said, oh, no, no, I'll get your butt in here. And once I read for Larry, he had me come back the next day. And the day after that, they decided to do a screen test with Bill. And then it just kept going. <laughs> That's so great. You mentioned William Hurt, man. That yeah. that scene where he throws, what is he, throws a chair through the, yeah. the window and breaks in, the big scene. Oh, yeah. um, how do you, it, all, it almost looked like you don't expect it coming, but I, I assume it's not improv. It's probably in the script. Oh, but, but, um, but talk about just shooting that scene and just keeping well, a surprise on your face. You, you wouldn't believe what that scene took because, in fact, it was one of the first uses of a Steadicam which now, of course, we use all the time. But the, um, it, it had to be a night shoot, obviously, you know. And in the scene, Bill, I close the front door on him, and then he, he steps back, and then he walks to one side of the door to look through this, the library toward the front hall, and then he crosses, and he looks through the front door again, then he crosses, and he looks through the mm -hmm. other, which is where he eventually picks up the chair. Well, the camera kept breaking down, kept breaking down. All night long. Just early steady cam. All night yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. All night long. And finally, 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 you know, our frustrations are sky high. We're, yeah. Finally, it works through the whole back and forth, back and forth. And he picks up the, the chair and he smashes the window and he starts in. 
and Larry yelled, cup, there's too much light, the sun's coming up. Oh, my gosh. So we had to pick it up there the next night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was crazy. So some of the passion in that scene is actually anger and fury yeah, over it. Right. <laughs> the, the intensity. Believe it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a classic. I mean, it's, I always, people always compare it to, uh, uh, you know, Double Indemnity. I mean, I, had you seen it before, that movie before you no, shot? Because very no. similar plots, but they say this is what the, the neo-noir, the well, like tonally. It, it yeah. was a tribute to noir. Yeah, I think it was, because Larry Kazan loves that style of film. Making, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do people come up? We, Glenn Close came to town, and she was just, she had a laugh about she's how many people come up to her about you know Fatal Attraction. And so, what is it like to people come up and say like you're that that, well, that monster from that movie? Well, no, no. Most people they love the you know, the the Michael Douglas films, you know, but all romancing and Jewel and Isle and and War of the Roses, yeah. you know, and the three of us, Michael and Danny DeVito and I, just always had. Such a great time together, and I think that always shows. In fact, I just went out to LA and played. He's doing this series, the Kaminsky Method. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just won yeah, a couple well, of globes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm now his ex-wife. A oh, recurring role. Next season? Yes. Oh, that's it's, awesome. Oh, it's fun. Well, yeah. Well, you go into Romancing the Stone a little bit. That was also, I mean, it's got one of the most fun movies ever made, right? Yeah. And so that was your first time working with uh, Bob Zemeckis, too. Oh, yeah. What was his What was his sort of approach to directing compared to, say, I mean, we mentioned Kazdan, but how did, when then you move on and work with Bob, how, how was he a little bit different? Oh, they're all very different. I mean, Coppola and Houston and I, I've, Ken Russell, my stars, I've had the yeah. chance to work with extraordinary yeah. directors. Uh, Zemeckis is much more, uh, much more technically oriented. He was much more interested, I think, in may, in many ways in the camera work than in the interior of the the film, the life within the, the characters. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Well, and you've returned with him for um, Roger Rabbit, which was my as a God. I was four at the time that came out, but I, yeah. it was one of my all-time favorite movies at the, back in that day. And it, it still holds I, up. I, it still holds up. Oh, they all hold up. I'm, yeah. I'm proud to say. <laughs> they do. But the truth is, yeah, that's one of the ones that people always want me to say one of the lines, you know? Is it the, I'm not bad? Yes, I'm of course it out. is. Yes. <laughs> but you, the follow-up to the line is just as good. What is, it's um, like, yeah. how hard is it? He, like, says, <laughs> he says, you don't know how hard it is being a man looking at a woman the way you do. Anyway, yeah, one of those lines. Yeah, <laughs> but how did how was that actually? Because Jessica Rabbit is one of those iconic animated characters. But how do, uh, how how is and, and it's amazing how those animated characters work. You know, pull on the physical tie of the live action actors oh, or move yeah. that. But no, but you don't know that when you're just voicing yeah, it, right? You don't well, know how. No, they, no, 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 no. Bob would send me um, uh, a series of progress of videos of how they were doing it when you know, like for example, they'd have different shapes or, or just stands sort of thing. So the actors had something physical to relate to and to, right. to focus on, etc. And um, then they draw in the character and everything. But obviously, the end, the, the breathing, the eyes, the mouth, everything had to come uh, with me. Judo. But that's, that's a, a work of art that will never be repeated. Every frame is painted, yep. hand-painted. I mean, they, it's simply not going to happen again. And They're never going to attempt it because no. everything's computers now, so they won't yeah. even go for that. Now. I know, but it's a, it's a work of art. It really is. Yeah. And I always thought it was kind of a... China, a Chinatown sequel with the red line train, oh, the, it's a the car. Story. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> it's well, like no, it's all true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the red line was yeah. a... Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, what is it, Clover? Anyway. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, and then, um, and then uh, Princey's Honor, too. John Huston. Yeah. You mentioned that movie and Jack Nicholson. And God, you've been in so many good ones, but... Um, but that one, it wasn't that towards the end of Houston's life, emphysema. It was and- the last. It was the last great full film he did. He did. Um, he 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 started another film, but he wasn't really able to finish it. Um, so yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. Um, he was sick. You know, uh, didn't mean that he was tolerant or forgiving or even <laughs> kind sometimes, because he still knew exactly what he wanted. But yeah, it gave us a lot more freedom, in fact, to to put together a scene and then have him look at it. Since so when you say more freedom, is that you and Jack Nicholson, yeah. you know, rolling yeah, around in the bed? Said, you had a couple. Yes. Oh, that was my idea. Yeah, yeah. Which, which was, was I called it? Who's on top? Yeah. <laughs> Describe yeah. for our listeners if, if any of our younger oh, listeners well, missed the movie. The two of them, two of them are in bed and they keep rolling over, and she's on top, and then he's on top, and then she's on top, and then he's on top until they finally fall off the bed. That was all you. That was my choice, yes. And Jack just goes along with it. Yeah. Well, he he <laughs> complained about his back a little, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, there's so many of yours we can we can go through, but one more. Peggy Sue uh, got married. Coppola, you mentioned him earlier. Um, talk about. I know you play the different ages, you know, and the. Yeah. Isn't talk about how you didn't you say he he spray painted the streets with oh, like no, a. This is a, this is the designer Dean Tabellaris, oh, okay. huh? So when we step back into the past, and but you have to understand that that right from the top, uh, the magic starts. That the Peggy who is sitting at her at her makeup table, yeah? yeah, and getting ready for the for the reunion, and the camera pulls through the mirror onto the back of the double, you know, who is mimicking my movements and. You cannot actually physically see the front and back of a person at the same time. Not literally, possible. but you can. Yeah. But you don't question it, huh? Right. So you've already accepted that you're going to allow magic. Yeah, you're going along for the for the magic yeah. ride at that point. Okay. Well, I mean, we're here. You're doing arena, so I mean, we just ran through a bunch of your film roles, but your theater roles, I mean, are just as impressive. You've done some of the big. Um, I think you did 
you did the graduate, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, I think. Didn't you do? And then, of course, um, Virginia Woolf. Yeah. Um, reminder, listeners, um, Edward Albee. I mean, he just passed recently, but you said he left he you a really a, a note on your, on your in your life. He did. Well, well, the, the closing the closing night on Broadway. I got back up to the dressing room and yeah, it was it was a big night. I mean, we knew that we were we were going to go on to London and everything, but but you know, Broadway is was extraordinary, and uh, there was an envelope on my dressing room table and uh, with Edward's stationery, and when I opened it, it said, um, he wrote, you're the reason I'm a playwright, Edward Albee, and I have that in a very safe place. <laughs> Good, because that's, that's a tribute well, right there. He, he actually did us the honor of saying he thought it was the best production he'd ever had, which was wonderful to hear from him, because wow. he was tough, man. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was, yeah. I bet. Well, if you're the reason that he's a playwright, then you're the reason he's in theater. Um, let's transit, you know, just bring it full circle as we close out here. Talk about um, arena stage itself. You've done how many? Uh, Four or five, I think? Well, I've done three in the last few years. Like every two years or so, right. I seem to come back here. Depending on what Molly offers me, right? <laughs> but a but, while back, you did a diving into a pool. Oh, yeah. No, see, that's, uh, that's going to be part of, the, part of the story is that, in fact, my first job after Body Heat, you know, was running back to the stage because, I was there. you know, being the center of a film is pretty overwhelming yeah. if you've never experienced this. Yeah. So I said, Shakespeare, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> anyway, so I was playing Titania and Hippolyta here in the Fitzchandler. Uh, Zelda wasn't directing it. Oh, I know who it was. Anyway, that's it. Uh, yeah, but we had... We had a pool, Titania and her fairies were of the water, and the lovers were of the earth, and then there was a, almost like a plexiglass corridor above that was Oberon and Puck, and Avery Brooks was my Oberon and, and Theseus. And in fact, now as I recall, Mary MacDonald, oh, you know, yeah. is in Major Crimes and everything. Yeah. She was one of the young lovers in wow. the play. It was a good production. <laughs> and, so and I got to do backflips into the pool and everything. That's so cool. I love that. So that's so ironic. They, you said they almost didn't cast you in Body Heat because you didn't have any. You only had theater roles. And then after, it's every time. I'm going back to the theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. You bet. Yeah. So and, and so that was the first of, so which other ones? Mother Courage. Oh, well, uh, the Red Hot Patriots, yeah. the kick-ass wit of Molly Ivins. Yeah. Which I still do because I just love it so much. And because it's still, it's still pertinent. Yeah. I mean, the woman wrote this, oh, well, she died about yeah. 10 years ago. And everything she said then still applies, which is rather sad in truth. But it, it's worth being reminded of. Yeah. And then Mother Courage here. And then a couple of years ago, the Year of Magical Thinking, the Joan Didion piece. Yeah. Yeah. How was how that received by the, the crowds here? Well, it was in the cro you know, in the cradle, in the in the cogar. Yeah. And um it's tough. It's a tough piece. It's about, you know, grief and the loss yeah. and how do you continue living and how do you make sense of it and in fact that was why I wanted to do it originally was because I just lost my mother and like Joan Didion, I was looking for a way to deal with it. Yeah. And I found her play and the two met together. Kind of work, work it out your own. Group. Yeah, we'll see what Molly Smith offers me next. <laughs> It'll always be great. Well, but first, everyone, come out to the uh, the gala. In closing, why why should our listeners come on out? I know the gala is a cool thing every year. Why should they yeah. come? 
Well, it is a great, a great uh, show every year, and of course this year with my doing the cabaret is is very, very special. But the truth is that this is one of the best regional theaters in the entire country, and to support it and to support the the creativity, the the guts that uh, arena operates under, it's just uh, it's thrilling. It's absolutely thrilling, and. You know, the great stuff has to come from someplace. Yeah. And Arena is one of them. Absolutely. A lot of the shows here, Dear Evan Hansen, just one of them. They end up winning the uh, Tonys on Broadway. Sweat. So Yes. Right? Here, yeah. Um, great stuff. Just, yeah, we, we don't have time to list them all. But thank, <laughs> thank you so much. Well, thank you, Jason. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.